Well, good morning. Some great uh, stories so far, a few more that are coming up here. Before I begin my comments this morning, I wanted to make an announcement that I made last week, just so that you're aware of it, the beginning October 20th at 5 o'clock to 6.30 on Sunday evenings, I'll be beginning a study in the book of Revelation. It's a nine-week series. It'll cover the first 11 chapters of the book only. I plan to do the rest in the spring, but we'd like to know if you're interested in attending that, so if you could go online and let us know. We're just trying to decide the best room to use for that occasion. Some of you that know my story know that I came from a pretty religious background on both sides of my parents, my mom and my dad. In fact, our reunions up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan are, are like worship services. One year, it was so, with our singing and everything else and some of the, the pastors that are in the family line, um, some people joined us and thought it was a service and then when we collected money for our reunion to pay for it, they pulled out their purses and were dropping in money. I didn't have the heart to tell them, hey, it's not a church service, it's like a family thing, you know, but it's very religious. And my dad was a pastor, two of my uncles. His brothers were also pastors. But one of them tells this story about a baptism that kind of went wrong just a little bit. He was baptizing the guy in a river and he put the guy's head under the water and his chest under the water and all of a sudden the guy lost his footing. And his, his feet flipped up, and, and in, in order to get his balance, the guy started flailing just a little bit, and he hit my uncle in the face. And uh, my uncle wasn't expecting that and dropped the poor guy, uh, sent him down the river. Um, the story turned out okay. Uh, but this whole thing about baptizing by immersion is something that's probably new to many of you. Some of you come from backgrounds where the only baptism you ever saw took place with a child, it's called pedo-baptism, where the baptism wasn't an immersion, it was more of a sprinkling, and so this might be kind of unique to some of you, and, and even strange. You know, you see it sometimes in, in movies of the old days down at the river where they're doing a baptism, but you might wonder, why do we do this? And in order to help explain this, I wanna use an acrostic, the word point. And I'm hoping that um, you'll pay attention to the words because you'll get the idea exactly what it means through each letter of the word point, which stands for something. The first one, the P in the letter point, stands for a picture. That we feel like it is a picture of a death and resurrection, which has already been touched on here today. We do not believe that a person gets right with God by being a good person. We don't think anyone's good enough. God is perfect and holy and we're not. And so you can't get to heaven by being good. And we don't think it's about going to church. They say that that's where all the hypocrites go anyway. I don't know. And it's not about following Jesus. The problem with that one is that none of us follow well enough. You know, if our destiny is based on how well we follow Jesus, I'd be concerned. Now, we think there's one way to get right with God, and throughout the pages of the Bible, it's the same one way. It's through faith, specifically faith in Jesus Christ as God's only Son who entered this world as a baby, taking on flesh and blood, living a sinless life, eventually dying on a cross in our place, and for our sin, he was paying the penalty you and I deserve, and he died. But three days later, he rose again from the dead. And it shows that the payment that he made on our behalf was accepted by God. But we receive this forgiveness through faith. And faith is something that kind of takes place in here. But Jesus gave an outward sign of this inward faith. The object of our faith is a Savior who died, who was buried, 
And so we put the person under the water, and then we usually bring them back up because Jesus rose again from the dead for us. Our faith is an arisen Savior, but it's a picture, first of all. Second, the O in the word point stands for an opportunity to obey. Jesus, after he rose again from the dead, spent 40 days with his closest friends, his disciples. And we don't know what all he talked about during that time, but at the end of the 40 days, he returned to heaven. He ascended back into heaven. And I'm convinced, by the way, that that really took place because uh, the witnesses to this died as martyrs with this on their lips. Ten of the 12 guys that followed Jesus closely died as martyrs saying, I've seen the risen Christ. I saw him ascend back into heaven. I don't think Christianity would even exist if it weren't for the reality of this event. But before Jesus returned to heaven, he gave these marching orders. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe or obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He said, go and you make disciples and then baptize them. And you'll hear the, this expression, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're baptizing them in the name of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, but it's a step of obedience. And so we think it's a picture, first of all. Second, it's an opportunity for obedience. The I represents initiation. We think it's, it's like the New Testament initiation into the church. Now, I've only participated in one initiation ceremony when I was in college. It was when I received notice that I had been accepted to be an RA. And um, one morning, I was uh, in my bedroom sleeping, and some guys burst into the room. They got a key somehow. And they grabbed me, and they blindfolded me, and then they went to my closet and picked out the most ridiculous combination of clothing that they could find. You know, it's like the striped plaid, uh, bad colors, everything about it was bad. And then I had to wear a, a, a sign on my back that raised a question, and if somebody asked me the question all day long, I had to answer it a certain way, which was very embarrassing, whatever it was. And there was more to it, but this was like my, my kind of my initiation. Now, when this happened, I, I, I wasn't thrilled with it. It was very, very embarrassing. But after that day, I realized that it just, I just felt like I was part of something bigger. I was, the, the guys that had burst into my room were former RAs. I was now part of this, this fraternity of ones who had served as RAs before me. And I just felt kind of being special. I was part of something. And I think baptism kind of serves that. You know, in the New Testament, there's nothing about having a, a membership class to the church, but you do have verses that talk about how people were baptized and then numbered. One example is found in Acts chapter 2. The day that the church was born, Peter was out preaching to a large crowd, and we read about the response in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. It says, so those who accepted the message were baptized, and that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And so you see an example where it says they, <clears throat> they believed, were baptized, and then they were added to the church. And so we feel like this is kind of 
Jesus is initiation. You identify yourself both with Jesus and with his people when you are baptized. So it's an initiation. So it's a picture. It's an opportunity for obedience. It's also initiation. Fourth, it's a picture of a new life. It represents the new life that we have in Christ that as Christians, we're expected to live differently. Now in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul wrote, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Look, new things have come. When you put your faith in Christ, you become brand new. I mean, a number of things happen to a person the moment they believe. Our sins are forgiven. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. We are adopted into God's family. We become children of God. And on and on, all the things that happen, but we're brand new, and Christ now lives inside of us. And so just like when Jesus rose from the dead, he had a glorified body, in a similar sense, when we put our trust in Christ, we identify with him in this new life. And so you go under the water of baptism, and you say, in a sense, I died to what I was before Jesus. You come out of the water, and you say, now I'm living for him. I died to what I was, now I'm alive to Jesus, and our new identity becomes we are Christians. The last word here is testimony, the T in the word point. Testimony, I uh, typically avoid that word because it sounds so churchy. You know, anybody got a testimony? But it's a good word to use. It's, it's a public proclamation about something that's true. And what baptism is partly about is gathering together with friends and loved ones and, and going public with our faith. We're saying, my trust is now in Jesus Christ. And it becomes a, a testimony both before those of you that maybe don't yet have a relationship with Christ, and it's also testimony before those of you that do. And that's the point of baptism. But let's see if we've been listening. So what does the P stand for? Oh, we're all asleep. Picture, good, I heard. Okay, what's the O? Opportunity, or you could use obedience. I, it's initiation. N is its picture of the, the, the new life in Christ, or the new start. And T, it's a testimony. Very good. Now, what do we do with it? Well, some of you, I hope, as a result of hearing the stories, you say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. We hope that happens every time, that some of you say, you know, I, I've been going my own way, and God sent his son so that we could have a relationship with our creator. And all you need to do is put your trust in Jesus, the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever makes Jesus the object of their trust. So has there come a point in which you've just said, Lord, I know I've sinned and I, I can't fix it? And I need a savior. And so today I want to put my trust in your solution, Jesus, the one who died in my place and paid the price. That he died for me so that I could be declared not guilty by you. And I receive today this, this gift of forgiveness. If you're already a believer here today, then I want to encourage you to consider if you've not been baptized to take that step yourself. We again do view it as a step of obedience. We don't think this is what gets you into heaven, but it's a step of obedience. And some of you are maybe thinking, well, I was baptized as a child. Should I still get baptized? Well, this is a different kind of baptism. It's not the same thing. This is what's called believer's baptism. It doesn't, it doesn't erase the prior baptism. It doesn't replace it in any sense. It's just a different kind of baptism 
where you put your faith in Christ. Some of you wonder, do I have to do it before all these people? Well, we believe that there are few restrictions about baptism in the Bible. Jesus said any of the disciples could baptize, and so you've seen different ones doing the baptisms here today. And finally, some of you might wonder, well, if I've been baptized as an adult in another church, do I need to have it done here? No, you've become part of the family of God when you put your faith in Christ.